This is JFM Podcast. And a good morning to you once again. Thank you for staying with J101.9 FM. It is another terrific Tuesday morning. And of course, uh, there's a lot of show and there's a lot of program uh, left for us. So don't change that dial. Now, in today's world, the media is as essential as our daily needs. And the media of today is playing an outstanding role uh, in creating and shaping of public opinion and strengthening of society. Now, uh, this morning, a lot has gone down, of course. Course, uh, we're still seeing, uh, we say we're still carrying some of the baggage even of uh, events that uh, shaped 2021. We're yet to shake off uh, some of uh, those issues. The countdown uh, to the 2023 general election, of course, uh, largely uh, shapes the major political activities in the country in 2021. Uh, this is as some uh, top political actors, including governors, defected from uh, the People's Democratic Party to the ruling All Progressive. Congress. Uh, 2021 was also characterized by controversial activities from the presidency, uh, ranging from its inability to tackle the security situation in the country uh, to response to the cessation agitation, which took over the entire nation between April to August uh, this year. Uh, we will be looking at all of these issues and more. And of course, uh, Omicron uh, is still making the rounds uh, in the papers and also in the world. Uh, medical experts have warned that Nigeria risk a further surge in COVID-19 cases following complete disregard for safety protocols at crowded fun spots, including beaches uh, during the New Year celebrations. Uh, renowned virologist uh, who spoke to the Punch correspondent in separate interviews lambasted state and federal governments for not enforcing safety rules and bringing violators to book. Uh, the expert said this as the federal government said it distributed 400,000 COVID-19 COVID-19 test kits in the last one week as the rate of recovery from the virus dropped by 73.2%. Now, we cannot uh, stop talking about this because we know uh, what a healthy nation means, especially for a new year and a country that's also uh, trying to recover uh, from all kinds of economic hardships at this time. So this morning, uh, we will be looking at the political and economic projections for 2022, the Electoral Act Amendment Bill, uh, the 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 speaker Femi Bajabia Mila has uh, promised to give Nigerians credible uh, elections and uh, we must continue to talk about the Electoral Act Amendment Bill. Uh, we must continue to look at it from different perspectives uh, so we can better understand to make better informed decisions and also PMB's New Year message on the 2022 budget implementation. Uh, in Nigeria, we do not play with our mula, with our money. So all of this uh, is in the mix uh, this morning. And we have in the studio to throw light on these issues, uh, we have a public health expert and also the former uh, NMA chairman, Dr. Daniel Meshak. Thank you for joining us on the program. Thank you. Good morning, listener. And uh, we also have Mr. Mwelfan Gashen Manasseh. He's a social, economic and political analyst and also a chieftain of the APC Plateau States. Good morning, Mr. Gashen. And a happy new year to you. Likewise. How was your new year celebration? 
Wow, it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I took time to rest. So. <laughs> yeah, the rest part is included for many. Mm. <laughs> well, let's let's hope that we got uh, the much needed rest, and uh, let's hope that uh, the rest is enough to take us through 2022. It definitely <laughs> will. <laughs> okay. Now, um, let's start uh, at this point here. Let's start with you, uh, Dr. Daniel Meshak. Uh, um, we've seen. Um, you know, the airports closed down. We've seen countries also enforce uh, lockdown. A friend was uh, on this program, that was last week, Thursday, and he left back from Norway. And he just informed me as he arrived that he's working from home. Uh, he's not going to resume because when he said he was going to be at work, I, I felt like perhaps he was going to work. And he's like, no, I'm actually at home. You know, there's still lockdown uh, here in Norway. Um, when, you, when we begin to look at uh, the Omicron variant now, uh, last week in the news, uh, a lot of um, subnationals uh, states said that they were opening up and bringing in new beds, you know, to take in more people. And here we are seeing that the federal government distributed about 400,000 uh, test kits for COVID-19. Uh, you know, what is your assessment of all of this news? And of course, uh, it's been in the news since uh, the, 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 the Yuletide season, since the festive seasons kicked in. Uh, you know, there have been projections of high infection rates as soon as the, the celebration is over. <laughs> Yeah, well, actually, all that is happening, there's nothing surprising. We know that uh, viruses do mutate, and so getting a variant like Omicron is not a surprise. But again, we also know that we expect a surge in the uh, cases of uh, COVID-19 in Nigeria because uh, during the Yuletide season, so you expect people to congregate. And the virus moves with people. Anywhere people congregate, the risk of uh, the virus increases. And so it's so difficult to tell people not to, not to you know, come together, uh, spend time with their family and loved ones. That's when you have a lot of occasions, programs, and the rest going on. So we expect that. You know. And then also another worrying thing for us is the issue of... Um, you know, lack of uh, regards uh, for the pre preventive measures. Mm. Uh, you know, the, the people, the, the risk perception amongst the people keeps dropping. Uh, the people keep disregarding those uh, non-pharmaceutical measures that have been proven to be very effective and also not to cost anything. They are free and effective. Unfortunately, that has it's not It's really helped. unfortunate because we, we, we won't take the vaccines, neither we will, will we follow the non-pharmaceutical yeah. uh, you know, protocols that are also in place. I mean, which is yeah. harder, which is easier? That, that is, I'm not so that sure. Is, uh, in fact, it's still a problem for us within the public health uh, sector uh, because the vaccine hesitancy is growing. People are rejecting the vaccines. Mm. And people have uh, bring, uh, a lot of, uh, attributed a lot of reasons for that, uh, and some are true. But I think that it's just a human behavior. It's just so dynamic. You can... Um, you know, it's so difficult to understand human behavior. Someone can hold a belief now, and in the next seconds, he has changed uh, that belief. And so... I think that we need to continue to engage people. The communication, risk communication aspect, I think government can still do better in terms of that. And then also, you know, when it started, there's this issue of 
distrust that we keep talking about. Mm. Yeah. A widening trust deficit between the people and, 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 and the government. It feels like the people do not believe that this Omicron yes. is real. And, we hear and them say funny that. enough, there was a research that was done. It was a glo- uh, globally, and they've discovered that countries whereby they have high rate of trust deficits between the government and the people are the countries that are witnessing this high disregard for the preventive measures and vaccine hesitancy. Hmm. So is so, this a kind of protest by the y- people, yeah. if, if we look at it in another light? Yes, in a way, that's it. So, and, and I think that we need uh, social scientists, because even we're saying this, we can't claim to understand pe- uh, the behavior of people. We need more social scientists to go into the uh, population, study more. Unfortunately, Nigeria is not a country that gives uh, regards to research. We don't spend money on research. And so that is a problem. We can't understand everything. You need to, you'll be so shocked. You go to rural areas, interview the people there. You'll be, you know, surprised to hear what is coming out, what their reasons are. And I have said it several times that we must contextualize our response. What will be effective, let's say, in Mangu local government may not be effective in Lantang local government. So we need to understand all that in the way we respond. So we need to find a way to communicate better to people. The process has to be credible. And there it, has to be it, transparency. It makes me ask this question. It's, we've been hearing this message of COVID-19 that we made in songs, in, in drama. People find a way to just push the message out. But still, it doesn't still sink. Is it, is it just the distrust or we just feel that even if it happens to you, it goes? We see many people who contracted the virus and then it left without even them knowing. So it, do we feel that there is something the government has to do to really drown this message in that this COVID-19 is real for people to trust them and actually take the vaccine okay well like what we've been saying you know you agree with me that uh, there is multifactorial all the reasons we've been talking about and i don't think there's one reason that explains uh the behavior of people but in itself the way we have seen for some inexplicable reasons we are not witnessing very severe cases as being witnessed in the Western world. Yeah. So that could also maybe a reason affecting uh, people's response. Then another thing again, you know, community involvement. Have we engaged the communities from the beginning in this response? That's another question. And, you know, when you go, like I've had conversations with people and some of the things coming up, you know, you could see that people are feeling that we have been excluded even from economic decisions. We are not partakers. In, in, you know, we don't benefit from even the economy and the rest. Now, when it is a disease, a sickness that is coming, you want us to be involved. You know, so people, there's this feeling of resignation. You know, we have not been involved. Why are you bringing us? Because it's disease. What are we benefiting? So it's a, a, lot, gamut of, a lot of gamut of things, and I think that we need a multifactorial approach in order to solve this problem. Mm. Well, um, all of this uh, is based on leaders. And when we begin to think about leadership, then we think about elections, mm. uh, which are a necessary part of democracy. And uh, they say uh, governance is a continuum. Now, let's hear from Femi Bajabiyamila, Honorable Femi Bajabiyamila, uh, saying, you know, that Nigerians deserve a credible electoral uh, bill and process and that we must get it. The same people 
uh, are not able to are not able to have a voice or a say in who represents them. And yeah, and I have, I cannot read the minds of members. We need two thirds to be able to override the veto, and uh, there's a reason why we the constitution prescribes two thirds. Uh, veto is not something you easily override. And if we can muster enough, if they believe that um, it's in the best interest of Nigeria, um, then then that is what we'll do. Otherwise, uh, we will take again, like I said, take out the um, the, the the clause and pass uh, the bill as it is so that we have and what Nigerians deserve is a credible uh, electoral law and process and they must get it no, no, no. I, I believe um, at the time when the increase was done and I give kudos to the president for that it was a long time coming well deserved for the policemen again they are out there doing everything they can to keep us safe uh, there's no money that will be too much for policemen uh, but at the time at the time when that decision was made I believe we had gone way 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 into the budget we were I'm almost at the at the tail end of the budget so I believe that the supplementary budget will be brought that will accommodate that increase And thank you once again for staying with us. You just heard the voice of Honorable Femi Baja Biamila uh, concerning uh, the Electoral Act Amendment Bill. And, uh, and even in the news this morning, the Inter-Party Advisory Council, IPAC, has said the country is not ripe for direct primary as a means for political parties to elect their candidates. And um, the council, uh, which had earlier rolled out plans of engagements during the year, said it was working on a concept for the establishment of a pan-African democracy institute to be known as the Africa Institute for Democracy Aid to be located in Abuja. Uh, but most importantly, uh, they are saying uh, they do not feel that Nigeria is ripe or is ready uh, for direct primary. This has been one of the most contentious uh, issues in that bill. And uh, many times uh, we've chopped it back and forth with you, uh, Mr. Gashon, concerning this issue. So what do you say? Uh, does it seem as though... It, this is now becoming some rivalry between the legislative and the executive or uh, between the APC and the PDP, between uh, our representatives and Nigerians. Well, let me be quick to say that uh, on this platform, I remember last year I said this uh, bill will not see the light of the day. And thanks to God, it happened that way. I think Buhari listened to me hmm. because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't just say it as a prediction, but it was a belief. Hmm. And uh, because I put one or two indexes together and I came up with my resolution that it will not see the light of the day. So what was the one or two that you put together? Fine. So you see, the first thing I considered then when I was trying to analyze, but people were just looking at the merits, merits, merit. Every system have its merit and demerits. Quite sure we know. But the first thing I observe here is in Nigeria, the entire political parties carry out registration for new members last year and reaccreditation for revalidation of uh, old members last year. Let me be honest with you, Chloe, uh, sorry, Zoe. A lot of people did not register as party members. And when I say a lot of people, I'm not just referring to APC alone. Mm entire political parties. In fact, I know of parties that did not even carry out the registration at all. I'm not here to mention the names of those parties, but I know. Then I also talked about uh, multiple inter-party registration. That is even before multiple intra 
and inter. These are two different things. I am a chieftain of a certain party. Of course, I know that a lot of people did multiple registration. Then some people are card carry members of more than 10 political parties. You understand what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. So I said it's not going to bring credibility. That is the second thing I observed. Then I talked about the insecurity. Thank God the president mentioned it also. What about people in Borno, Yobe, Sokoto? Are you going to take people from their wards and bring them to Abuja so that they will do the direct uh, primaries? I observed that. I also talked about uh, countries like Russia where they have independent candidates. You understand, Nigeria have gone so far that we must continue to depend on partisan politics. We can at least give independent candidates the avenue to contest. You understand? So with this, I think they will be deprived that opportunity. I also talked about um, votes buying. Some people say it is more easier to buy delegates during uh, indirect. But I said, no, it is even more easier and more expensive in the direct. How? Um, in the direct primaries, of course, check out what happened during uh, general elections of 2019 and the recently concluded election in Anambara State. People sell their votes. So don't expect different. The politicians will still go to the polling units and buy votes. In fact, I was calling some people to come and register for political party. They were asking me, how much am I going to pay them to register? And so many factors like, for the fact that the legislators brought up this, I was quick to mention they did not bring it with the interests of Nigerians at heart. I mentioned it here that they are trying to save their jobs. What I mean by that is the governors, 36 governors, except for the three governors that have their midterm elections, are trying to retire 36 senators. <laughs> if you understand what I'm talking about here, it means that these governors are going to contest. You don't expect them to fold their arms and allow governors that have state structures in their hands to dictate the primaries. I'm not saying that. Excuse me, please. What I'm trying to say here in essence is, the lawmakers felt that the state structure is controlled by the governors. And so if the governors are allowed to carry the day, that is, indirect primaries should go on, that is, they are automatically going to be retired by 2023. But that is wrong. Those people that you see that are backing up their colleagues, trying to do esprit de corps, don't forget, there is a time that you have individual interests and public interests. That is what is going to play out when the National Assembly resumes this January. There is going to be partisan loyalty. Mm. And everybody also is going to look at himself first. If he discovers that, okay, the governor is not from my constituency, it's not going to affect me, so be it. Just go and relax. Mm. Let me have my way. Don't forget, this is not APC affairs. That is the reason why if you observe the governor of Benue State was the first person to congratulate Buhari for refusing to sign or rather uh, rejecting his assent. He is PDP. He's a core critic of Buhari, 
but he congratulated him for the first time. At least you should know that this is not a partisan affair. Let me be quick to mention something. I also know what political parties can do, even in the direct primaries. My friend in, uh, I call him my friend now because he's no longer a governorship candidate. The court have annulled even his primaries. So even going to challenge the election is already null and void. In Anambara State, Andy Uba scored over 246,000 votes. Where the elected governor did not even score 200,000 votes. Where did he get these votes from? They were manufactured somehow. That is what we should expect. I am not saying it's good. But looking at it critically, I spoke here, and if I can remember vividly, twice on this platform, Barista Adama also spoke that we are not right for it. So even when intraparty society is talking about it, it's like they are cutting out verbatim. I said, yes, United States so of America is doing you don't see the direct primary uh, giving those without a voice a chance to participate? Listen to what I'm trying to say. How many people have the voice? When I was talking about registering at party level, people did not register. Even those that registered, let me even tell you one secret. Politicians bought booklets of uh, party membership registration. They have it at home. Hmm. They will register people that they want and direct them to the pl uh, polling unit to vote for them. Do you call that free, fair, and credible primaries? Uh, Dr. Menshak, you wanted to okay. throw something in. Yes, I, I think I agree with him. Uh, I support the position of the president in hmm. not um, uh, ascending to this uh, bill. And basically, uh, in uh, addition to the reasons he has mentioned, I think focusing on whether direct primaries or indirect primaries, you know, tend to sidestep the main issue. Because the main issue is the issue of internal in democracy simple. in the parties. What we want to see is that the processes should be transparent, should be credible, should be fair. I can right. tell you that the, one of the major problems of our electoral system is the behavior of our politicians. Our politicians have not acted in a manner that we will term honorable in many situations. If they will just behave, I can tell you that we are going to see a more transparent So that is a problem. If, if I agree with him. Whether it is direct or indirect, I can tell you that, that our politicians <laughs> are very, very ingenuous. They will come up with methods to, you know, try to circumvent the system. So basically, so, what both of you are trying to say is that uh, the president showed some wisdom in declining the assets. Of but course. Then uh, uh, how can we trust uh, the government that it's in the interest of the people that they this was carried out. Yeah. Beautiful. Let me answer this question. You see, um, for the first time, for the first time, I would say the president made consultations, not with one organization, not with two, with many, before declining his assent. And of course, let me even be quick to say something. Public opinion does not mean rightful opinion. At times, public opinion could be wrong. I get him. That is why the president uh, carry out decisions on behalf of the country. But let me be quick also to say this. The masses, as we are saying that we are giving back the power to the masses, let's be honest with ourselves. Before this bill was passed by the House, how many of the legislators came back home? and have, uh, let me say, hearing with their constituents before going back to the National Assembly. Not even one. 
In fact, the one of Plateau State here, they just did a scam. Fix a particular day that we should go there for hearing this and that. We went Town there, hall meetings. Th yeah. Nothing mm. happened. I was there live. Nothing happened. You know, it's controversial. You understand? And they went back. So I don't know the time we gave them our own opinion that they compiled everything and passed it as a bill. So what I'm trying to say here in essence is if the masses decide to do what is right, we are saying that there are a lot of political parties with a lot of gladiators there. It mustn't be APC. It mustn't be PDP. Look for credible candidates. Do not sell your votes. Do but what is right. those candidates belong to political parties. Yeah. That is right. They belong to political parties. But of course, like I said, we should not just follow candidates based on he gave me Maggi, he gave me soap, he gave me 20 Naira. He gave. I was asking somebody. But what do you do when the people are already hungry? That is also a good question. The people became hungry because of certain reasons. I get in me. And of course, as I was coming here, I prepared because I know we are going to talk also about economic policies of the government. Mm -hmm. You have already started asking, what do we do when the people are feeling hungry? Isn't it? Mm -hmm. The people felt hungry because there is poverty. Isn't it? And of the course, people felt the hungry said because he was going to lift uh, 100 million Nigerians out of poverty. He uh, made a lot of promises. Poverty is growing as a result of failure of governance. Of governance. Can I proceed? I have said this time without number here that there are some things that happened that the government did not perceive will happen. He is talking about corona here. I've said it here times without number. No government anticipated any corona, let alone a uh, recession. But the government met it. And of course, the government is trying to cope with it. I get to me. Immediately, the government took up. There was a crash in oil price. No government anticipated that. But of course, we know how the things work here. As the government is trying to do one or two things necessary, of course, Nigerians prefer to get you give them cash. They don't want to see things that they will generate cash from it. They prefer to get cash. That is why Nigerians will sit down and clap hands for the conditional cash transfer. I am APC, but I don't clap hands for that. I don't. For me, is I prefer you create an enabling environment that businesses will thrive. Mm. Then people can get employed. Of course, that is carried out in Lagos State. Lagos State is APC state, isn't it? Of course, why didn't they just sit down after the NSAS and begin to dash money out? Are you getting me? Mm. So I believe that if the government should have carried out certain measures, it will bring people out of po uh, poverty. And then the people... So you're saying that the government did not carry out certain measures? No, the people did not prefer those certain measures. And the government was forced to act on the popular wish. That is what I'm trying to say Pop here. What, what would you say the popular wish was then? The popular wish is what I'm talking about. People prefer cakes rather than means of making mm. cakes. But that is very wrong. Was that really the wish of the people where the people well, consulted? I, I think over the years, you can see the weaponization of poverty. The mm. political class, which usually is a minority in the population, have tried to take the resources for the majority of people and allow poverty to set in so that the people will beg them. So we're seeing a failure mm. of that. And I can tell you that it is wrong for us to blame the people. And this is my reason. That, you see, when you look at the psychology of human beings, mm. people will imbibe suffering 
if there's a meaning or significance associated with that suffering. If Nigerians will know that they need to make sacrifice because things will get better, government is doing the right thing, I can assure you that majority of Nigerians will agree to make that sacrifice. But Nigerians are not trusting government because they are seeing those who claim to be in government are living a life that is more than what their legitimate earnings can explain. And so you ask me to sacrifice and you are not doing it. So any opportunity the people have is an attempt for them to just get whatever they can get so that they will be able to survive. Unfortunately, so. So it still boils down to the failure of leadership until we get that right in this country, we'll continue to run around in cycles. Check around countries that have, you know, in fact, every country, every leadership in a country is concerned about the economy. And one of those indices is what you have to balance between efficiency and equity. Efficiency means that the resources you have, little, how do you maximize it? How do you reduce wastage? Then equity, how do you reduce the gap between the poor and the rich? That is what every country that is serious with economy is looking at policies that will do that. But in Nigeria, can we claim to have done that? Unfortunately, we see it, and people are losing hope, and people don't no longer believe in government. They no longer trust government. And that is the problem. The trust deficit keeps widening. And even when government sometimes comes with good uh, policies, you find out that people don't support it. I don't support it. So until we are deliberate, and I agree with him, giving our conditional cash transfer is you just encourage consumerism, which will not develop our economy. All right, um, we're going to move to the 2022 budget. We we'll agree that when it comes to budgeting, identifying areas of weaknesses helps to the government allocate resources effectively to the sustenance of the country for economic stability and growth. Um, coming to the 2022 budget, we see that 816 billion naira were proposed for health, which amounted to 4.93% of the budget. And we also have allocation comprising 462.63 billion naira for um, current expositions and more. And we also got to see 194.60 billion naira for capital projects and more. So considering the budget and the allocations of resources, do you think that the government were able to identify the weakness, the weak areas of the country and constructively um, make this budget for the growth of the country? Okay. Um, thank you. You see, a budget will, tells you, will tell you the priority of a government or the direction government is taking. Yeah. And you'll agree with me that I am not saying this because I believe that governance is easy or taking decisions in government is easy. You have to consider many things. In fact, there are so many things that are competing. But any government that is serious about development will know that they have to uh, invest in infrastructure. We have to invest in production activities because that's what will lead to economic growth. There can never be economic development without economic growth. So government, what government is doing is not enough. Like in the health sector, for example, you can imagine a paltry 4.93%. Uh, if you recall, in 2001, there was a meeting of African heads of state here in Abuja, and the agreement was that at least they are going to set aside 15% of their budget to the health sector. And 
when you consistently do that, you're going to increase the uh, strength of your health system. But we have continuously failed to do that. And that is why we still have a very, very weak health system. I think are getting bad. And the pandemic, corona pandemic, even made it worse. What about the education sector? You know, things are just going bad. Our public institutions were losing confidence. In fact, I was reading an article recently how Nigerians are promoting the educational sector in other countries by sending their children and investing in that. So I believe that government needs to sit down, really, and really prioritize. We need to cut down in terms of uh, our... Our allocation to recurrent expenditure is not going. It's not sustainable the way we are going with this budget. If we continue, and mind you, most of the budget is going to be funded what with. Let me let me be quick to say something here, please. Let me be quick to say something. You see, when we're talking about financing of the health sector, of course, this I know is a priority that should be met by any government. But I don't understand what the my friend here is trying to talk about. Is he talking about prioritizing their pockets or the actual infrastructure in the health sector? That notwithstanding, I know uh, I know we have our people that call themselves the learned colleagues. That is the lawyers, isn't it? For them, in their own practice, you don't practice corporate practice and private practice at the same time. I think one of the reasons why our health sector is dying because they get double pay. I get in me, and they are not what satisfied. Do you mean by double pay? Yeah, mm-hmm. they practice private, and they still come back to public sector, and they receive jumbo pays there. So they don't give in their efficiency. You understand? So the government, you don't don't expect the government to just pack and give you where you're earning twice. We should be I talking think, about you doing just... Fa- faulty promi- premise to... Well, that, that, that is a discussion for another day. But yeah, I think but, but you people should just be doing one practice. If you're in private, be you private. See, it shows among, a among lack of many, understanding of the health sector. That is... That is there are roles, we are being regulated. Okay, among the many yeah. reservations the president had, we see that the provisions were made for 10,733 projects, mm. and which was reduced to 6,576 projects for 2020, for 2022, and this is going to happen in just this year. The allocations are going to be made for this project. What do you think? Do you think it's wise? And right, it because uh, 2021, we see that it was termed, but 2021 budget was t- titled Budget of Economy Re- Recovery and Resilience. Let, can, let, me, let, me say, let me say something about this. How 2022 is going to fare. You see, uh, I was speaking with a friend yesterday and I told him that there is a difference between feasibility and uh, an ideal typology. Ideal type is how things ought to be done and feasibility is reality on ground. That is how things should be done. So we shouldn't just bring uh, or, or we shouldn't just sit down and begin to budget for things that cannot be real. When I say cannot be released, things that cannot be attained. So it is better for the government to actually budget for what it can implement, rather than just to give 10,000 of projects for people to clap hands. And at the end of the day, the budget becomes a massive failure and we begin to criticize. So for me, it's a welcome development. In fact, if I were to be the president of Nigeria today, I am not saying that, please do not cut me wrong, I'm not saying that the president is not trying. I'm just saying if I, as uh, Gashon Manasi, were to be the president of Nigeria today, I don't think even this 6,000, I will even budget for it. Because Maybe the projects that he said. I will budget for foresee. just like 20 or 30, that if I'm able to achieve them, then those others will benefit from it. 
Are you getting me? So I'll just narrow it and then concentrate on basic few that I know are reliable and uh, realistic. You understand? Then others will benefit from it. Like uh, if you leave me now, I'll tell you that I, I, in fact, Nigerians will clap if the president today will say that by the end of this year, it will be the last time Nigeria will import fuel. And even if it means he will go all out to make sure that he either sells his refineries and builds the new ones or make sure that they are fixed. And if by the end of this year, these refineries are fixed or new ones are built, check out what is going to happen. Nigeria will not import fuel. Fuel will be, the price will be low. If the price is low, trans- transport fuel will be low. It affects everything across You understand the barbers, everything. Dr. Mesha, Actually, I don't get excited by a number of uh, projects in our budget. Do you know why? Because over the years, check out our efficiency in terms of implementation of the budget. Mm. It somehow borders around 50% or so. In fact, and people who are realistic will tell you that our budget implementation may even be less than 50%. So I'm not too excited when I see it because a good policy is judged by the outcomes, not by the intentions. Unfortunately, here in Nigeria, I see people Sometimes intentions are never good enough. We are going to view the roads here. People will be excited. When the process... A good policy is known by the outcomes. If it achieves the outcome, then it's a good policy. If it doesn't, then it's not a good policy. So can we say the economic policies we saw 2021, the budget of uh, resilience and recovery... Yeah, recovery uh, and resilience. What was the percentage implement? And are we now resilient enough to face 2022? The phone lines are open. 09055669 and 09098848848. Hello and good morning. Good morning, Zoe. Welcome. Name and location. Jude, sir, for introduction. Let's talk, Mr. Jude. My sister, please, uh, there's something that I want to ask the guest in the house. Thank God I joined the program, but at the end of the day, he, one of the guests, he said that he's a member of uh, APC. Uh, I thank God for that because it's a very, very big insult for Nigerians for him to say that... Uh, Nigeria needs only honey in their mouth instead of something that will make them to be active. It's a very, very big insult to the personality of Nigeria that voted them into power. Honestly speaking. Because Hi, but have you seen Nigerians doing contrary to that? My sister, listen to me. What I'm just trying to let you know this morning is that uh, Nigeria really needs a very, very true change in their life. You understand? When they come in my way of, of changing the country, we thought that uh, the change is something that will make Nigeria to gain something, to learn something, you know? But the change they give us is a, is a hell, honestly speaking. Because the way he's talking, like, because we gave them the mandate, but now they use it, the power is with them, they can use it anyhow, and talk to us anyhow. Thank my you, Mr. Jude Saad. Hello and good morning. Zero nine zero five five six in four places nine nine zero nine zero nine eight eight four eight eight four eight. Good morning. Hello, good morning. And welcome to you. Thank you very much. My name is Sadiq Umar. I'm calling from Teacher and Junction. Let's talk. Yes, actually I will comment your guests. They have spoken well. But actually that your guest of APC. Actually, he is spoken contrary to the view of we Nigerians. For example, this issue of this conditional cash transfer, cash transfer, we have been complaining about it. 
this uh, feeding program. We have been complaining about it. I've checked all my community. There's no school that they are feeding. And all these cars, uh, kind cash, cash transfer, there's no people that we have been seeing. So this government has failed us woefully. They have not given us what they have been promised. And we do not expect any magic from this government. It's what they promised they should fulfill. For example, now this government has promised not to increase the fuel, the price of fuel, see how the increase of price. See how education, see how issue of insecurity. In, in early days, we are spending a most amount of money in this uh, in our budget for this security. But what is the result have we been seeing? And when it comes to project, we have not seen any project that I can see in Nigeria that we have been saying that yes, this government have tried that we, we have to recommend them. So it's something that is a sign that this present administration have failed us and the Nigerian have already taken record of what is happening. So Thank you so have... much, Sadiq Umar. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning, everybody. Good morning and welcome. Let's talk. Name and location. Yes, yes uh, this is uh, calling from Hamburger. All right, let's talk. Honestly, uh, we have uh, listened to your guest this morning, but they have, especially the APC uh, candidate uh, listening, they are not speaking in the mind of the people. I thought uh, what we are supposed to be speaking about this morning is what is doing the people. Look at uh, fuel in, the, in, in this town. You can't can find fuel. People are suffering. Look at it's about 100 naira in Teke. And people are there discussing a different issue. And every, every place now are silent. We are not talking about what is defending the people. People are suffering. No fuel. Fuel scarcity all over. People are suffering from one place to another. And they are there in the station discussing a different thing altogether. What are we thinking of? What Nigeria are thinking of? What do you want us to be discussing? I'm not sure I, I, I understand you. Huh? We are suffering. The people are suffering. No, you can't transfer yourself from, from sitting there, from other places. No, no place to be fine. Thank you so much for your input. I believe that is exactly what we're talking about. And of course, giving Nigerians the platform to be able to air their views. And don't forget, you can find us on facebook.com forward slash JFM. Just gentlemen, let's get back to the conversation. Uh, a lot of calls uh, came through and uh, we've heard the mind of uh, cross-section of Nigerians, I believe, from all parts of the country uh, call this particular program. Uh, so let's start with you, Dr. Menshak, from your observation, the comments. And, all right. Uh, uh, thank you for the responses. Um, one thing I want the listeners to know is that we're also part of you. We feel the same thing. So uh, it's not like we're talking about things that are removed from what all of us are passing through. <laughs> Even I need to go and look for fuel. Mm. You know, I need to struggle with light and other things, you know. So um, uh, I appreciate the comment, especially uh, the one by Sadiq Umar concerning um, the conditional cash transfer and the school feeding program. Yeah, I think we have said, I, I think both of us have said that we don't support uh, this uh, program. So why? Because I think the intentions may be good, but the implementation has been faulty. A lot of corruption. You will see on paper, they will say that this, uh, uh, this school is, you know, doing school feeding program. But when you go there, you don't even see that. You know, and 
what we have seen clearly and consistently is a lack of accountability in the system. So I will join my voice with yours and other people to continue to demand for accountability and transparency uh, from government. And government should keep their promises because it is when they are able to keep their promises that they will gain the trust of the people. And one thing that I found lacking again in government is communication. Government... I don't know, in our own climbs, think that to communicate with the people is a problem. You know, I think that people in governance, especially the heads of government, should find it expedient and necessary to constantly engage the people, explain to the people. If the people know that you are doing things that is in their interest, when you explain the challenges you are facing, they will understand with you. But when you do, don't do that, they will assume that you don't have their interest at heart. So, People in government will need to improve communication with the people. All right, please let me say something quickly about this. You see, uh, the issue of fear, please, we shouldn't bring government uh, into this. Government, though, said it will increase fuel price, but it has not. And uh, this is purely the handiwork of middlemen. They are holding the fuel and causing untold hardship for us. Of course, the government have government is the regulator. The regulator. <laughs> of course, I know you'd be quick to say that. Yeah. We started experiencing that just last week. And I'm being honest with you, the government is not sleeping about this. Uh, if you've been following the news of recent, you would understand that the government is already going around, checkmating stations that are not selling fuel, even uh, though they have it. And of course, I personally also went around yesterday to see so many filling stations that had fuel that refused to sell started opening it yesterday. So this will be commendable. So instead of just criticizing, criticizing, at least if we see certain things that the government does, we should give it to them. Then the other one, like my friend here said, of course, I'm a member of a party. I believe in the ideologies of the party. Ideologies are totally different from policies, please. Let's not uh, mix the two. And because I'm a member of a party does not mean that anything uh, the elected or appointed does is right by me. I've said it not even on this platform alone for long that I'm not a fan of conditional cash transfer or other things. For me, I believe it should be geared into some uh, infrastructural development or other sectors that will generate more revenue that people get money at hand and employment rather than dashing. I believe in teaching somebody how to catch fish than to be giving out fish. But still yet, um, you see, when our colleagues or rather friends are saying that we should bring meaningful topics here to discuss. You see, what people call meaningful topics is when you just sit down and criticize the government. Uh, and they call it meaningful topics. But let's be quick. But there, is, there is a place for constructive criticism. Yes. That is it. If you do criticisms, you profile solutions. It's good. But when you just criticize and you fall down, you criticize and criticize and criticize. Okay, come out even for elections, you don't go. You're only to sit down and criticize. My sister, you've, con you've constituted a nuisance in the society. All right, let's, let's move away from that now. Let's talk about party politics, whether we like it or not. Uh, we're already seeing the thrill uh, the, 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 the birth pains of uh, 2023 are beginning yeah, to yeah, show. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, of course, uh, 2021 saw a lot of defections. Cross River State Governor Professor uh, Ben Ayade on May 29 formally declared his decision to dump the PDP for the ruling uh, party at Cross River State Executive Council Chamber in Calabar. Uh, his decision came after a two-hour meeting with seven APC governors 
led by party's interim chairman and governor of Yobi State, Mimala Buni. Uh, also, we saw Zamfara State Governor Bello Matawali on June 27, dumped the opposition good. party for the APC and automatically emerged leader of the party in the state. And uh, uh, so many, so on and so forth. Uh, Femi Fani Kayo Day also. Now, in the same vein, the fortunes of the APC in Benue and other states are several times depleted uh, with the exit of some top politicians, including a three-term member of the House of Representatives, uh, right around John Digg and thousands of others uh, from the ruling party also to PDP. Uh, so now um, APC is prepping for the convention with the Extraordinary Caretaker Committee uh, tenor extended not just once but twice. Mm. And of course a lot of questions as to whether it will be successful, uh, bearing in mind that we've seen crises erupt in different uh, states. Uh, you know, And the fate of your party, APC, that uh, after Buhari leaves office, the party may break up. What is your take on that? Well, you see... First of all, uh, a court of competent jurisdiction affirmed that uh, the position of the extraordinary caretaker community is legal. So because some people initially were challenging it. Coming back to your question so properly. there is no internal party democracy in the APC at the moment? No, there is. For the courts to have to have waded in to settle that? No, some people went to the court to challenge. That is democracy itself. Mm. Are you getting me? That is democracy. That is uh, abiding by court rules. It's democracy itself. So coming back to your question, Zoe, you see, we shouldn't just conclude even before the convention is held. Let's wait. We have a date. Of course, you know it. So after the date, if you see another extension, then you raise eyebrow. But the president himself agreed. All party members agreed. In fact, the reconciliation committee is going around the states. And almost 80% of reconciliation now, so far, mm. I get me. So we are hopeful. Like I said, I'm hopeful that nothing wrong will happen. And of course, like we said, we need internal democracy to thrive so that the democracy in the country itself will thrive. Mm. But where the masses, like I said, pull out of partisan politics, it will never thrive. When we sit down and somebody like you read said that he has uh, defected to another party with 14,000 members and in the new party that he went and he contested election and he's, uh, he, he's having just 5,000 votes. Where are those members that he defected with? So let's not be quick to say that somebody defected with 14,000, 15, or 20. I was reading a news just day before yesterday that Concoso defected to APC. I started laughing. I said, when? You understand? We've not heard of it. Some people say he has defected with 50,000, 100,000. Please. Mm. Like today, let me be straightforward to tell you. I am not saying our governor is going to defect. But in case our governor decides to defect, he is not the reason why I joined APC. I joined APC before even uh, Governor Lalong uh, contested under APC. I get me. Of course, I trust his leadership. But that does not mean that I trust his defection. Mm. All right, so make sure I okay, uh, Well, concerning that, you know, I'm a bit worried with the fact that we there's no clear-cut demarcation in terms of ideology mm. uh, between the parties, and that's why you see them uh, jumping from one party to another. And comfortably uh, so. Comfortably so. And it feels like home both ways. the reason they advance shows a total disregard for the people that voted them into office because they just cook up some stories. You know, sometimes they say that if you saying it, 
you know, you think that you're wise, the person listening to mm. it may not be uh, foolish. If you, you're foolish, the person listening to it may not be foolish. And so, but then we need to look at what pushes people to uh, defect to other parties. Like you said, sometimes it might be due to lack of internal democracy whereby there was not fairness. Or sometimes it might be out of desperation by these politicians that I must have my way since the overwhelming decisions that I cannot have my way, then you move to another party out of desperation. So it could be both ways. But in terms of ideology, we have not come out clearly. You know, in Western climes, the ideology of the political parties even defines their policies. Mm. When they, yeah, they may have a common economic problem, but let's say in America, the approach of Republican may differ from that of the Democrat based mm. on the ideologies. These are the things that we want to see. But right now, anybody that talks about ideology, they find it difficult to even articulate such ideologies. Mm. All right, let's hear from our feedback handle on social media. Mm. Ayodele Abiyabikre says, all we want is the government to do us right, stop insecurity, stop unnecessary food price hike, and pass the electoral bill, for God's sake. And Daffel SP says, uh, for the fact that the president will keep borrowing money to run his government or support the budget, then we are in a big mess, even if they are counting a year, a few months. And for them to leave the office, one can only use 50 years to build something, and another person will use only one day to collapse everything. Chai. And that was what he says. Elkanah Moses says, on the, on the policies in Nigeria, there is no arbitration agreement with the leaders and the masses due to selfish interest rate. It's quite unfortunate that our electoral art has not been politicized, has been politicized by some uncalled people. Let's not give up on our country. All right. It's uh, three more minutes to go before the end of the program. Uh, so let's talk about, you know, ways to curb uh, uh, COVID-19 once again. And then, of course, I have a last question for you, <laughs> Mr. Manasse. <laughs> well, uh, to curb COVID-19, we need to ensure that we use our face masks, especially in the public. Doing that shows respect for your neighbor, not just yourself. And then also avoid crowd. As much as possible, don't go to where you have many crowd there. And then wash your hands, hand hygiene as much as possible. Use either soap and water or use your hand sanitizer. And then also observe social distancing. And then also get vaccinated. Vaccination may prevent the disease or reduce the severity of the disease. We know that it's not 100% effective, but even if you have breakthrough infection, it, it reduces the severity and it reduces hospitalization, it reduces death. So mm. it's still a win-win for us. And I really will uh, advise people, if you are seeking for information, please go to government-approved sites, websites and the rest and get what the right What is the same government who are saying there's a trust deficit between <laughs> government yeah. and the citizens? So, hey, mm. but at I understand have, what you mean. Yeah. have said it. Worst-case scenario, is that is where you should But you be. continue yes, to do what is right. Mm. You, can, you will not stop because people... <laughs> At least you've trusted the government as an expert to tell people to go. That's yeah. a kudos. Thank uh, you for being you, sincere. There are agencies of government mm. and they have professionals that are people who are heading the epidemiology centers are not politicians. Mm. They are civil servants. They are technocrats. All you right. know, unfortunately, people should not combine that. And I think that government means well in terms of this. Thank it was just not sincere. properly articulated, it, perhaps. Probably it's not been articulated properly. properly and then uh, actions. Right. Yeah, but then 
we must also say that some actions of government have created mistrust. Mm. That lack of transparency in managing of funds concerning COVID-19 has created distrust. Okay. Now, let's go to you, uh, Mr. Gashon Manasseh. Uh, do you see the APC coming back on the plateau in 2020? What is your prognosis? What is your projection? You said uh, last let, year let, that let the electoral me, let me, let me will correct you. Let me, and let you were right. So you. what is your prognosis? What is your projection for APC you. on the plateau? You said, do I... Do I do you see the APC, the All Progressive uh, Congress, uh, coming back on the plateau? Correct yourself. Don't say coming back. Say continuing. Mm. <laughs> it's PDP that you say. Do I see them coming back because they are out of power? Fine. So say, do you? Do, do I we, see? Do we see a continuation? Of course. At the federal level and at the state level? Certainly. Why do you say that? <laughs> you see, my sister, a little research that we carry out now. Hmm? I will not tell you the NGO that carry out the research because they will publish it officially. So it's like stealing from their work now. Mm. They say that of all the candidates contesting for governorship mm. on their plateau, APC currently have the best candidates. Are you getting we me? I cannot wait to see this list indeed. I'm telling you. <laughs> research, look at the methodology. Yes, I, I know, <laughs> I know. The interest they of the people sick. who conducted so the we Currently, we have the best candidates. We Not, will see about that. You will see about that. Not only that, they have been tested and proven in their different fields of uh, this thing. So, but keeping that aside. Plato just needs a good keep, Keeping that aside. Okay, this time around, let me not speak as an APC person. Let me speak as a political analyst. Based on the current indices on the plateau, mm. that will, is a topic for another day. Mm -hmm. If I'm being invited, I will open them up. APC will still emerge victorious. Do you know that 10 most indebted uh, domestic states, September 2021, mm. uh, plateau is right there at number eight. Thank uh, God 10 you did not states say with only new plateau. domestic debts in nine months of 2021. Uh, also, plateau is number eight. 10 states with reduced domestic debts in nine months of 2021 were yeah. not on that list. Yeah. This is coming from uh, the DMO. Of course, and I hope you know that even the debt profile of different countries have increased. So many countries why, have become why indebted. Why must we compare so ourselves is not with those who are not doing okay? Because we are excuse. not living on an island. Did we island. revive the industries? You, you, know, you know, my concern we is are still, research we has are, shown that. You are just reading a research. And I've also told you something about the research. You said, let's wait and see. So you don't know who carries out this research and with which motive. Debt management you, office no, yeah. is a government agency. No problem. Well, thank you so much, <laughs> gentlemen. We hope that <laughs> you have been informed on the program. Let's uh, talk. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Mwalfeng Manasseh, a political analyst and also an APC stalwart. And thank you very much, uh, public health expert and also former enemy chairman, Dr. Daniel Meshak. Thank you for your time on the program. Uh, with that you. being said, keep listening on behalf of the entire G101.9 FM crew. We say thank you so much. Have yourself a wonderful Tuesday. I am Zoe Machunga. And I'm Precious and Easy. Thank you for listening to JFM Podcast.